Vox Pro, powering the customer operations of the world's leading technology companies. Customer experience is the new competitive battleground, and to compete at the highest level, you've got to have an edge. I'm Patrick Hawhey, presenter of the Vox Pro Studios podcast series. We're all about beautiful customer experience, and this podcast is all about giving you that edge. Welcome to Vox Pro Studios. Now, if your company is successful, probably means you've got lots and lots of customers, both in the pipeline and out the other side too. But of course, it's great to have lots of existing and potential customers, but once that gets to a certain point, it can be hard to keep on top of things. You're under danger of losing track of leads and letting relationships go unnurtured, that kind of thing. So when you hit that point, it's time to get clever about customer relationship management, or CRM. CRM software allows you to forge good relationships, keep track of prospects and customers, which are all crucial for customer acquisition and retention, and of course, the overall customer experience. As the world's leading CRM platform, Salesforce knows a thing or two about world-class customer experience, which is what VoxPro and VoxPro Studios podcast is all about. So I'm delighted to be joined by Carl Dempsey, who's the Vice President of Solution Engineering EMEA at Salesforce. Carl, welcome to VoxPro Studios. Thanks for having me. Obviously, it's an interesting time. You've had some recent good news in terms of your expansion. I know, obviously, San Francisco is the is the um, HQ for Salesforce. Huge operation there. Dublin, also a huge operation, about to become even bigger. Yeah, actually, Dublin was our first international office. It opened just one year after Salesforce was founded in, in San Francisco. So we've been in Dublin since 2000 and uh, grown massively over that time. And it's just been a great endorsement of what we do here in Dublin. It's one of our, our key hubs for Europe. So, you know, we've had we've moved offices multiple times in my time with Salesforce, but the announcement of moving into the city centre, into what we're calling Salesforce Tower, it's not quite the, the 62 <laughs> stories in San Francisco, but we have towers. Uh, so Salesforce Tower down down on the docks. And with that, moving not just the, the existing workforce, but over the next number of years, effectively doubling our presence in Dublin and hiring another 1,500 people, I think is great endorsement for what Salesforce is doing in Europe and what Dublin brings to Salesforce. So very happy to be part of that. Yeah, and it's fantastic news and obviously testament to how well Salesforce does CRM. For those who may not know um, everything about Salesforce or at least the kernel of what you guys do, do you want to just explain in a nutshell what what Salesforce is and, and what it does? Yeah, as you said, we're the world's number one CRM provider. We're actually, you know, according to Gartner, number one in sales, marketing, service and digital commerce as well. Maybe people don't think the digital commerce piece or marketing, but, but across those spectrums. So essentially, we help our customers who range from literally one-man startups to some of the, the largest companies in the world and some of the largest companies in Ireland understand their customer deeply and predict their needs, their requirements, and deliver on those at any touch point, in any time, in any channel. Um, and, you know, that's just become crucial in what we call the fourth industrial revolution. Actually, what the World Economic are referring to as the fourth industrial revolution. CRM and customer management used to be a relatively easy thing to do back in the day when there was a limited number of touch points, when customers, frankly, had very little choice. But these days, every customer is connected uh, to themselves, to multiple products, multiple services, multiple vendors. They have so much choice and so much power. And so if you are a business who's going to thrive in the fourth industrial revolution, where all that choice and connectivity is there, you need to be super smart about how you engage with your customers. You need to, you don't, you can't just give them good quality service anymore. You frankly, you've got to delight them. Mm. And to do that, you've got to really know who they are and deliver that experience. 
at every single touch point, at every point along the, the journey that every customer goes on with you. Which is really thrown, and this was something I wanted to ask you about actually, because you've been in it with Salesforce since the early 2000s, is that right, the early 90s? Oh, four, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so in, in, in 15 years, has the type of customer, so in 2004, the customer that, you know, your typical customer, and now in 2019, your typical customer, entirely different beasts. And that has, and as you mentioned, they want hyper-personalization. They yeah. want a, a quid pro quo in terms of the data they're giving companies in return for what they get. Yeah. They want, you know, everything to be, uh, uh, and, and delivered lightning fast, which is a huge challenge for heads of CX, heads of operations, marketeers within companies. So what, what would you say the key challenges for those who are to deliver customer experience are now in 2019? So uh, you're exactly right. We, we, we have a, a study we call the State of the Connected Customer, and it's saying that you know 75% of customers have much higher demands on their, their vendors than they did years ago. And and half of them say that actually companies don't deliver on those expectations. So, you know, that's a real problem. That's a real threat a for these organizations. It is. And uh, I think the first thing is you have to know and understand the customer. You have to get that complete picture. And what we see, you know, we all experience this. It's one of the fun things doing my job is, you know, we're all consumers and customers. And we experience bad service every day. And it's almost like a curse of being in my role. It's almost like I can see the matrix. I can see the bad systems be behind uh, some of these companies. So you have to build that complete picture of a customer. You have to get, it's a fable thing when you talk to people in CRM, but the 360 degree view of the customer. Yeah. You have to understand that. Um, and then you've got to break down the silos between the different departments. You know, what, what we find in a lot of companies is they structure their processes for process efficiency internally, you know, and they'll design around their employees and their systems. They don't design around the customer and customer experience. So, you know, we all experience that when you ring a contact center and you, you know, you type in your account number, you talk to someone, it's the wrong department, you get handed over to the next department, you've got to type it in or give them the number again. It's just, there's so much friction mm. in so many of the systems, which are just very frustrating. Now, if you're, you know, back in 2004, if you're a pillar bank, um, you know, there as a customer, this, there was basically two or three choices that we all had in Ireland over where you'd go, right? I now have on my phone, I have two of these new mobile-only banks, right? Like your Revoluts. Revoluts, yeah. N24s, yeah. right? And I'm kind of using them, this is me personally now, I'm using them like for travel and stuff like that at the moment, but actually I'm putting more and more of my funds onto that and using that on a day-to-day -day basis. If I am a Bank of Ireland or whatever, I should be very, very worried about that because these guys don't have the silos... They don't have the legacy that, you know, these these um, traditional operators have. It's You can see it in virtually every industry. And so I think if you're one of these legacy players in an industry, you need to look at how these new players, these new entrants are coming in and you need to design around that kind of customer experience, that, which is where they're coming from. Which is, I think what you're saying as well, and particularly in relation to the online banks, it's it's really low effort. Yeah. And is that that gets to the kernel of customer experience right now? We don't want to. We're too busy. Time is currency now. We don't want to spend time having to wait on a phone for twenty minutes or give our contact details and everything else again to the next yeah. agent. It, it's just it's it's friction, right? It and it's it's just annoying. And if you are and you know if you have a monopoly or you're sort of in an industry where people have very little choice, that's fine for now. But what you'll find over and over again is someone is going to come in and disrupt your industry. And I think, you know, the sort of product and service that you offer can be copied very quickly, but experience and how people feel 
is, first of all, it's critical. Again, the, these studies that we do, we do one, again, the Connected Customer, 85% of customers say that how they feel is very important in terms of their buying decision, okay? So if you're not delivering on that, it everything else can be copied relatively easily. And so these new entrants can sort of just take away any market advantage you have overnight. And if you haven't worked on customer experience, if you haven't built that loyalty because customers like doing business with you, you're you're actually very exposed. How do tools, so as I mentioned in the introduction, when you get to a certain point in your in the evolution of your business, if you don't get clever about how you manage your customer relationships and your lead relationships, you're going to lose track and that is a poor customer experience. Yeah. So how do tools such as Salesforce allow people to build up that complete picture, that 360 picture and deliver a, a top class customer experience? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and a lot of the companies that I've spoken to in my 14 years in Salesforce would be startups or scale-ups. And, you know, initially it's let's just get the product out there and, and sell it. Spotify actually uh, was a customer of Salesforce back when it was a very small organization. Um, and yeah, exactly. So they're kind of scrambling. They're trying to go fast and grab market share. But very quickly, they get this sort of critical mass of customers. And so I think the, the couple of things we do. So the first thing is we help customers. We allow them to start small. It might be a sort of a departmental tool around customer service. And we actually have products that allow even very small companies to onboard onto the Salesforce platform very quickly. What we find, though, and, and you know, we're, we're in the business of making our customers successful, and most of them are very, very successful with Salesforce, is then it's about building a strategy and a roadmap forward that says, okay, as we now look to... I want to be careful how it says, but maybe professionalize that area. You know, it used to be a couple of people doing support. Now we need a proper help desk and processes and all of that. The strategy would be to, you know, take the Salesforce solution for customer service or service cloud in there. And then we want to build a connected community so that they can actually, customers can collaborate with each other. They can use our community cloud around that. So essentially what I suppose we're saying is we allow people to onboard gradually and, and scale up over time. Obviously, if you're one of some of the world's largest companies who realize they need to do this, you know, we engage in very large projects and we partner with the Accentures and Deloitte's of this world to deliver on very large, very significant transformation projects for large companies too. So I think it, either way around, it's, it's, um, it's a case of start start with, you know, and obviously I work for Salesforce, so I'm going to say I think you should use Salesforce, but, you know, there, there are great tools out there and I think you just need to look and be careful to, to have a strategy to make sure the technology is going to support your growth and, and, and your, your path forward. But what are these tools doing in terms of building that picture? Are you is are tools like Salesforce pulling in the key bits of information around a customer and, and patching them together to create this golden profile, this golden record? Exactly. And so, for instance, Salesforce, exactly on, on that point, Patrick, has uh, announced a, a, a capability which we call our, our Salesforce three, our Customer 360. And this is pulling together, yes, all of the data in the Salesforce platform around a customer, but also from other data points as well so that you get this complete golden record, if you like, of a customer. So, you know, the classic case in point, I buy something on an e-commerce platform. Chances are, I've had this personally, I did something wrong, I've got a customer service issue there, and then I maybe processed the wrong order, pressed the wrong button, I ring the help desk. But, you know, if there's if it takes time for the e-commerce transaction to flow into the, the, the main customer system, it's disconnected, that agent can't help me. So Salesforce with our customer 360 is 
bringing all of these systems together so you get that one perfect picture of a customer. And we did an acquisition last year of a company called MuleSoft, which allows us to integrate with essentially any other system out there. So your your ERP system, your order management, um, you know, other third-party applications you have. So Salesforce is essentially the central hub where we get that perfect picture of a customer. And that empowers anyone to then, you know, take the right decision or help that customer in the right way. Yeah. You, you mentioned that, and it brings up a very interesting point. You mentioned, obviously, you know, we're talking about Salesforce, but there are many other tools out yeah. there. In fact, there's around 7,000 MarTech tools out there that marketeers, despite, aside from having to deal with <clears throat> the modern customer and the new, all these new challenges and everything that comes, they also have to deal with the challenge of trying to pick one or ten of out of seven thousand of these tools. Is, do you think this is a real? How, how is Salesforce competing in that market? And how are you, how are how are marketeers and heads of CX and and sales trying to navigate that territory? So I think our our, our view on that is that our our over overarching message is that. Um, you know, it's not about a piece of MarTech. It's not about, you know, this feature, that capability. It's about the customer. And we keep bringing the conversation back to the customer, the customer being our customer's customer, if you know what I mean. And so the view of that says, yeah, you can market to them. But again, you know, if you want to take someone on a journey, after you've got that interest up, how do you then have a joined up conversation through sales, through customer service? And that's essentially what, what Salesforce will say. We can bring all that together around the customer rather than having a lot of point solutions. So we're talking about technology here. So the one thing we always have to talk about because it's so critical to modern customer or modern customer experience is artificial intelligence, yeah. AI, ML, etc. What are your thoughts on that and what they're doing for the the overall customer experience and technology at the moment? I think it's a really interesting area. It's something that Salesforce dived into about two years ago. And we have our Einstein platform, which is artificial intelligence embedded throughout marketing, throughout sales, throughout service. My, my overall view is that it does two things. It um, it helps the customer. It uh, you know provides prompts. It makes the the experience easier. And again, it just reduces that kind of friction. If the system can be smart, because we know a lot about the customer, and I think custom individuals, and this is me personally, I think a lot of people I've spoken to say the same thing, are relatively comfortable with the concept of AI being involved in the interaction, as long as it's first of all it's transparent that it's AI. So we, okay. don't, we don't want to be pretended to be talked to by a human. And exactly. It's, quite it's a bot. Exactly. Yeah. And so, for instance, Adidas uh, use chatbots powered by Salesforce, and they call it Adibot. And it's very, oh, very good. So it's, it's very, very sort of transparent. transparent. This is who yeah. I am. And it, it, you know. And then the second thing is, I need to be able to get to a human at the end of the day. I can remember in the old days of sort of you know telephony trees. You know, press one for this, two for yes. that. There was a website called Get Human that actually gave you the sort of shortcut. One three five 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 two is the way to get through all of the sort of the IVR tree to get to a human being. Yeah. And a lot of what we do again with the sort of the from the sort of self service side of of artificial intelligence is we make sure that you know when we don't know the answer, AI doesn't know the answer, it cuts over to human being. Yes. And I think if you feel, yes, help me, and if, if, you, if you can't, someone's going to take over, uh, I think that, that reduces the resistance a lot. I think the other side where we see AI being applicable is more helping the professional. So be it the salesperson, the marketing person. So we embed AI, for instance, if you're taking marketing, to suggest segments to a marketing professional. You know, I used to, I used to work a lot in that sort of marketing segmentation area and, the, you know, 
segmentation tools can be incredibly powerful, but when you talk to a lot of marketing people, the rules they apply are relatively basic. Mm -hmm. So to have AI, which knows a lot about what's going on and can look at all the trends using machine learning and say, this is a segment that you haven't thought about before, and maybe we can communicate with them. I think that's a lot of power. So where you get to is customers are happy to share a lot of data with the companies they deal with if they feel it's being used in a way to actually benefit them, to personalize the messages. And if AI can help organizations do that and do it better, I think we're in a good place. Yeah, and that's an interesting point as well because one of the one of the areas that we at Voxpro, powered by Telus International, see is a, a rise of companies, and Gartner have, have noticed this as well, a rise of, of companies who know they need to be doing something around AI and chatbots, so they scramble to yeah. plug in some system that they're not ready for, they don't know what it's there to do, and it, it's a disaster. It actually brings down their CSATs and yeah. their NPS, so they come to a company like Voxpro um, and say, okay, you guys are experts in this, you know, let's let's start here um, and let's do it properly. Is this something that, that you have seen from your perspective is that there can be that rush to try and just sort of plug something in because you think you should be doing it as opposed to being ready? Yeah, I think I think a lot of people, you know, want to do something in AI and, and one of the reasons why I think we've had a lot of traction with our approach is we're coming with very tangible, practical applications of it. So I'll give you an example from a different area. So if you think of sort of B2B sales, uh, our Einstein platform, you know, scores leads and tells the people doing the business development which are the best leads to call first. It also has uh, tools in forecasting where it goes, yes, the salespeople might say you're going to make this much money this quarter, but actually looking at the trends and the data, again, using machine learning, this guy always lowballs his forecast, this person always sandbags, the real number is this. And we've been using that internally in, in Salesforce on our forecasting. And, and so I <laughs> Which think, is terrible news for half the people who are... <laughs> you know, but it, it drives accountability, right? And, and so it's a very yeah. real, tangible thing, rather than people scrambling to go, we must do something with AI, we don't know what. And I think from there, you kind of get the roots and people get it and see it. And it, it, it becomes a more natural part of, you know, your technology strategy rather than this sort of bolt on, which is, I think, what you're referring that's to. That's it. It's, yeah. a, it's put on as a plaster yeah. for a process that's not working, whereas, in fact, it's supposed to enhance an already working process exactly, and scale yeah. it, etc. OK, so we've spent the last few minutes talking about technology, but I was obviously my deep research. I looked on your LinkedIn profile, Carl. Oh, my God. And you had a very interesting line there which jumped out at me. And it says, you're so uh, this is what I do, etc., etc., etc. And you end by saying, I'm still happy to jump on a call or a plane to support customer engagements anywhere in EMEA. Um, so we can talk all we like about technology but when it comes to the customer experience and let's say a non-scalable type of customer experience is that you know human interaction face-to-face -face stuff just really what it comes down to at the end of the day as the foundation to to a great customer experience yeah I, I think I'd probably differentiate there Patrick in that that's me going to meet customers who are then looking to use Salesforce to deliver a great customer experience yeah but that's you delivering yeah, yeah. a great customer experience yeah, you know I, there are your customers I, I think w w what's interesting and and one of the reasons why we've 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 doubled down literally doubled down on Dublin is that it's uh for instance it's a, a major sales hub for us across Europe and it's amazing how many meetings we can have remotely you know, so we use we use Google Meet as one of our main technologies. Um, and it's fascinating how many companies I've actually had like heads of sales, CEOs, you know, various VPs going, oh, my God, I'm going to do a serious business transaction here. And you've never physically been in my office. Mm -hmm. So I think, and you know, you, you look at, you know, from the environmental impact of flying, which is one of the most damaging things we can do to the environment. You also look at, frankly, the opportunity costs. I, you know, yeah, I've been in every European capital and lots of cities. It's great fun to fly around the place. But there's a huge opportunity cost to fly to Vienna or wherever for our meeting and fly back. You can be so much more efficient 
if you're you know, based in somewhere like Dublin and you can get four or five meetings done in a day. So yeah. there's a lot to be said for that technology. That being said, you know, yeah, physically looking someone in the eye and shaking hands, I think, uh, you know, that's still, that human touch is still there. And I think we, we have to make a judgment call about when that's appropriate exactly. and when not. Yeah. It's not a scalable uh, approach, but I think it, it, a story I heard about the Collison brothers always stayed with me and it was that when in the early days of Stripe, they would be at various conferences, financial conferences, everything like that. And what they used to do when they were trying to get Stripe, people to adopt Stripe, they would literally meet Carl, they'd sit down and they go, have you heard about Stripe? No. Okay, give me your laptop. I'm going to plug it in for you. I'm yeah. actually going to plug it into your site and get that. So it, it ties into that thing that Paul Graham from Y Combinator calls do things that, that don't scale. So they're the little they're the little touch mm. points that don't scale, but they underpin, the, they're the very fundamental of building an operation that then does scale because you have your fundamentals right and you have your approach right. Oh, I thought that was very interesting. I, I get the approach. And, and one of the things we do with Salesforce is we, we're very segmented in terms of how we go to market. So you know, if we sell to some of the largest organizations ac- across Europe, I mentioned Adidas already, you know, a lot of banks, insurance companies, pharma companies, those where it's appropriate, we will go on site with those those people. And we have, you know, a lot of different services and things that we'll do that they are not going to make major investments without going through a classics or a software procurement. On the other hand, and you talk about scale, one of the things that Salesforce got right from from the very beginning was it didn't just use cloud computing as a sort of a new way to sell software to the same types of companies. It actually democratized CRM. So if you are literally a one-man startup, a one-person startup, you can go onto our website with your credit card and buy Salesforce, but you are literally using the same code on the same servers as some of the largest companies in the world. So we sort of have to figure out how to address each market. And yeah, you then got to think, what are the scalable ways to talk to those companies? Yeah. What are the ways that you can make them successful? How do you onboard them? How do you give them that 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 insight and trust into Salesforce? You know, you can't physically, you know, yeah. have board meetings and, and fly senior executives over for those. But so at every level, we try to get that as the, uh, the appropriate engagement model, if you like. And we think a lot about that in Salesforce. And you mentioned customer success there, and I think the one of the big sort of revolutions in this area has been sort of cloud computing gave birth to this the model of SaaS model, software yeah. as a service, which I think didn't give birth to the area of customer success, but certainly propelled it up the chain in terms of the overall customer experience. It used to be the case, you sell a piece of hardware or you sell a piece of software and you're done, you got your few thousand dollars or yeah. whatever. Now you've got to keep that customer delighted because they're only paying on a month-by-month basis in a lot of cases, yeah. and it takes you 12 months to even make your money back in winning the sale. So is that something that you have seen over your 14 years in, in Salesforce? Absolutely huge. Uh, you know, the classic days of the sales guy turning up in a Porsche, you know, to the <laughs> to the customer meeting, whatever, are, are, are gone. Uh, thank heavens. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, Salesforce, I mean, we, we really do think we pioneered this whole cloud computing thing. It wasn't even called cloud computing back then. I think we were using the term on demand or something like that when, mm. when I joined in 2004. And the beauty of it is, yeah, so first of all, it democratizes the access to the system. But secondly, it shares the risk. And this was a fundamental shift in how software was consumed. You know, Gartner had this famous stat that said 50% of CRM projects fail, uh, which is a nightmare. You're literally rolling the dice yeah. every single time you, you procure software. And so with Salesforce, yes, it's a subscription model. And that, that's now become almost the de facto model for buying, you know, CRM software and actually most software, right? It's, it's now cloud-based. Yeah. Um, which means we need to make you successful. We need to earn um, your renewal every every year or whatever kind of cycle we put that on. 
And that means the system has to be available. It has to work. We've got to bring new features out. So Salesforce um, brings three releases, three major releases every single year. So new features, um, new capabilities, those are constantly coming. But also we have to think about things like adoption and making sure that our customers use Salesforce. And then so a major um, development, I think it was about 24 months ago now, was the fact that we wanted to make sure that we had enough people who knew how to use Salesforce, either the end users or the administrators and developers of the system. Because in this fourth industrial revolution that I spoke about, we need everybody to be able to take a a platform like Salesforce and make it work in their business and what the fourth industrial revolution means for them. So we developed a learning platform we call Trailhead. And this is where you can go on. It's self-service. It's free. And you can literally learn how to build on Salesforce, how to develop on Salesforce, how to configure it. You want to, I mentioned things like communities or marketing. You know, maybe you're using it in our core sales area. You want to learn a new area so you can bring it into your business. All of the learning is provided for free. It's actually fun. We use it internally ourselves uh, and it's gamified as well. And it just sort of brings you through the level. So we have a huge number of users. Um, actually, I uh, for, forgive me, I should know how many badges are earned. It's kind of like as you as you complete a module. But a huge number of people are actually taking this as a, as a way to develop a new skill. And so, you know, you think about the classic way of selling software, you wouldn't have cared if people actually learned how to use it or not. Yeah. In fact, you'd have probably charged for it, right? Monetized <laughs> it. So we're now in a world where we're giving these things away because we want people to share in that success. So we very much, we're sharing the risk with all of those customers. And I think it's a much better model for everyone as a result. Yeah, it's it's actually John Moses from Nest, uh, a real pioneer in, in customer experience, did one of the early episodes of Vox Pro Studios. And he was so passionate about the, the need for education. Mm. You don't just sell something, you teach people how to use it because nine times out of 10, if they've got a problem with your product yeah. it's not your product they just don't know how to get the best out of it or how to use it properly so education and educational content has become a huge thing in that role hasn't it in that customer success area and just a very practical example there was a, a you know a lot of non-profits use Salesforce in Ireland we, we give them the licenses for free as part of our sort of our integrated philanthropy model and uh, one of them got in touch with us to say look it's been set up but I'm not sure it's set up right um, can you help me? And I said, yeah, we'll come in and we'll have a chat. But by the way, here's the link to Trailhead. Here are the modules around how you set up Salesforce. Um, and we're trying to help them help themselves and just become more flexible as a result. Yeah. Okay, a couple of final questions, Carl. Um, I always ask every guest on, on Vox Pro Studios, we've spoken about your company and how you di- differentiate yourselves and how you do what you do so well. Is there another company, um, is there a company in the world globally that you believe is a, is a leader in customer experience, somebody that knows the 360 of the customer and really d- delivers a personalized experience and a fast experience and low effort. I'm not sure about a leader, but can I tell you a story about a personal example I had, which I think is an excellent customer experience. Absolutely. End to end. I'll do it quick. Um, I play guitar really badly. Okay. Um, I treated myself to a new Fender amp recently, a um, just a little practice amp, and it was a digital one. So you can control it, you can put any sounds, all the effects on it. To do that, you can press the buttons on the thing, or there's an app, Fender app, that you, that you can download from the App Store. So I download that. Instantly, I register the amp. So for the first time ever, Fender knows where that amplifier is. It lost track of it the last time it was sold to a wholesaler somewhere, right? How many, how many times have you registered a product, like your dishwasher or never. whatever? You never, right? No. But now I have a reason to go and register it. Very good. I then, through that application, I get a notification to say, by the way, we've also got a tutorial app. Do you want to download that? So I download that, Fender Play. It's four ninety nine a month. I go, okay, what the hell? 
Um, so they've now monetized me twice. They sold the amplifier. They're now getting a, a, a services stream from me. And literally every month, actually every week, I'm getting an email going, you haven't done a lesson this week, Carl. Right. Or I see you were playing the blues. Here's another lesson that we put up for you. And it's just it's so effortless. Right. We talked about that at the start. And it was just now, by the way, Fender aren't a customer Salesforce. So just this is just from my personal personal experience. I just thought it was it was just beautiful. It's it's the it's the sort of I think where we're all getting to where a physical analog product as was is now connected and how they're just bringing me on this journey where I'm getting deeper into their world, I'm more connected. And then this 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 amplifier is a cool thing where you can download sounds from a community. So Fender now have other Fender users creating product for me. They don't even have to do it themselves. So I went, I forget who I was trying to get, some sort of Jimi Hendrix sound or something. Not I can play like Jimi Hendrix, but I wanted the sound. It was actually some other dude somewhere in the world or, or girl who created that sound. So I'm now extending the product. So I just think it's a fabulous example of how traditional products are becoming digital. Mm and how I was taken on a journey, and how when you talk about customer experience, it's like, that's cool. I mm. felt not, I, I want to go, when I go home, I want to go play guitar. My wife hates it, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I'm brought more into that world, and that's what I think every company has to do. Yeah. You know, so I think that, that's, that for me, is an example. Are they a leader? I don't know, but it's a personal example I really like. No, a fantastic example, and also a great example of how it, it, we can now, maybe before we used to share data with the company and you see it going one way yeah. and felt nearly exploited, whereas now you're giving your data to that company, but it's coming right back at you in terms of benefits. Yes. And it's I think that's a beautiful example of, of where things have gone now. Are you getting better, by the way? Eh, ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this again in a year. You can bring your guitar. Bring my guitar okay. in, yeah. Final question, and it's crystal ball time. Okay, you've okay. been in. The, you've been with Salesforce since two thousand and four, so f- fifteen years on. What kind of changes do you think we're going to see in the world of customer experience, world of customer success, and technology in the next five, ten, fifteen years? So I think. So I don't think. So first of all. Again, this this fourth industrial revolution I referred to a few times, just to sort of maybe crystallize that for you. This is where the tech mega trends like AI, which we discussed, uh, virtual reality, uh, big data, IoT are coming together to fundamentally change every product and every service. So I just mentioned my guitar story there. So we're going to see that in every product. Um, and I think companies are going to have to figure out how they either take advantage of that or they're going to get left behind. So that's the first thing. The second thing is customers are just going to get more and more and more demanding. So companies are going to figure out how to anticipate their needs and get ahead of them. So those are probably the two main things that we see where just technology is just going to get integrated in. It's just going to be a seamless part of every customer experience. And the companies that thrive are the ones who who master that rather than ignore it and hope it, it doesn't happen in their industry. So... Will we see? We'll probably see whole new industries opening up. We'll see new types of, of jobs. Uh, some industries are probably going to really suffer, you know, and become irrelevant. But I think there's enough opportunity in it being created for those who are prepared to look again and go, "What does this mean? And what does this mean for our customers?" And if they can do that, I think they're going to thrive and you know, survive, and then thrive beyond that. Yeah, <clears throat> and as you say beautiful way to end this because everything comes back to the customer you start there and work backwards you work backwards um, and you're going to hit it Uh, Carl it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today so it's Carl Dempsey Vice President Solution Engineering of EMEA at Salesforce thanks for joining us today in Vox Pro Studios thanks for having me Vox Pro powered by TELUS International
And for more insights from the masters of customer experience, you can subscribe to the VoxPro Studios podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out voxbrokegroup.com for all of our latest articles, ebooks, and CX thought leadership. For now, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Vox Pro Studios, where insights live.